And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror! <laughs> Hello, my pathetic playthings. I am the Chris Keeper, and today we pay tribute to the late, great Stuart Gordon with the greatest killer doll movie, Dolls. What? What about Chucky? Fuck Chucky! Stuart Gordon's dolls pay people back. Chucky, a.k.a. Charles Good Guy, a.k.a. No Good Liar Thief. Stuart Gordon's dolls stab you in the face, not in the back. Chucky! Stuart Gordon's dolls at least are made by good old-fashioned mom-and-pop evil toy makers and not some soulless corporation. Chucky! Eat a bag of dicks, Chucky. It's time for some real dolls. But not like the Chris Keeper's real dolls. Those are none of your business. Enjoy! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. I am one of your hosts, Luke Giaconetti. I'd like to thank everyone for downloading and listening to our show today, as once again, we are delving into the VHS Horror Rack with one more Horror Rack Hangers On, taking a look at, uh, at another classic film that you might have found at the horror section of your local mom-and-pop video store. And uh, I'm not alone. Left to right across your podcast dial, I've got my brother, Mr. Jason Giaconetti. Oh, Teddy! You son of a bitch, you stole my line! <laughs> that was number one. <laughs> uh, you heard him there, the hair metal hero, Chris Tyler. Fuck you, clowny! That was my... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and round and there you just heard his laugh there, rounding out our group as always. Two true freaks, OG Chris Honeywell. I like rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you couldn't tell from from that, I don't know what to do, what we can do for you. But we are taking a look at 1986's Dolls uh, from Empire Pictures, the original company of course of uh, of charles band and uh dolls is directed by stuart gordon who uh unfortunately as we're recording this very recently uh passed away uh we had dolls actually later on with uh with mr stewart's passing i thought it'd be appropriate to do one of my favorite stuart gordon films and also a film of course that legendary for its vhs cover to the point that dolls uh, with its cover of just simply in uh, 
a plain white font that says dolls. They walk, they talk, they kill with a, a female doll holding up her two eyeballs on either side of her head with uh, empty eye sockets and they, the, the empty nose of a skull and a little bit of her skin missing to show her teeth on her jaw. A classic, classic VHS cover. This was the This is how the movie started. This was a poster idea from Charles Band with a very basic idea. Let's do a movie about a killer doll. And uh, from there it evolved into something quite unique and quite different. Uh, so, uh, so that's what we're taking a look at today. Uh, this is one, uh, I think I might have said uh, 80, 86, actually from 1987. Uh, this is one that is a, uh, I remember this cover a lot, but I had, didn't see this movie until I was older. And, and it's, it's very unique. It's not necessarily what you might think, but in some ways being from Empire Pictures about killer dolls, in many ways, it's exactly what you'd think. <laughs> this was so, one that like I missed because it came out like right by the time it was hitting video I was in college and just not going out and right well, there wasn't a TV or a VCR in my dorm room and so it it fell between the cracks I never even like heard about this movie when it came out or anything so this was like a brand new minty off the shelf 80s horror movie for me it was wondrous and a stuart gordon mm. one to boot yeah so, as luke mentioned that the cover itself the the actual poster i should say of dolls uh was just an idea that uh charles band had and it was uh um what had happened was uh charles band had actually contacted stuart gordon and said hey stuart um we have this movie dolls he goes great what's it about he goes i don't know i have a poster and he said, I want you, and he said, I want you to make it. And he goes, yeah, but what do you want? He goes, I don't know, make a movie about dolls. This is the poster I have. And literally, they started getting to work on it. And the problem was, I shouldn't say the problem, but after Reanimator, which is uh, what you know, many people remember, you know, like, oh, my God, Reanimator is such a crazy movie. It actually was a financial success for Empire. And what happened was that led them to wanting to do another uh, um, you know, Lovecraft story. And that's where From Beyond came. But Stuart Gordon said, hey, but you want me to do From Beyond? He goes, wait, no problem. This is a quick one. Just bang this out while we're getting the finances set up for From Beyond. And so what happened was, literally, as they were getting the finances and stuff set up for From Beyond, they actually did Dolls. And the nice part about Dolls was that house was built. That's not an actual house. They built oh. that house in Italy. And uh, they, that house is the exact same house they use in From Beyond. They just move things around and shift it around and change it. But it's the exact same house. And what happens is, the Stuart Gordon, in one of the interviews he did, is actually on the Dolls Blu-ray. Um, he talks about the fact that, hey, we were in the process of doing this, and we shot most of the movie before we got to From Beyond. But then they had to go in and do some special effects work, and there was the, the stop-motion animation in this movie, which is impeccable. And yeah. From Beyond was actually shot and released before Dolls came out. So they had shot yeah. most of dolls, and then it kind of got like stuck in a limbo of like special effects stuff. And it's so interesting to think about the idea that um, literally it was just a poster. They had no idea what they were going to do. And when you say dolls, the idea of like small creatures and Charles Band, a lot of people think, of course, of Puppet Master. Uh, and exactly. this is very different than Puppet Master in that it's not um, – it's, I mean, it, 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 there's, I mean, obviously there's no, uh, you know, it's not, it's not Toulon making the, you know, the, the puppets and whatever. This is kind of, it has, it has parts that you kind of could see where it can fit into the world of like Puppet Master, but it's really truly its own beast. 
And throughout the entire filming of the movie, there's lots of things that were added during the filming. One of the things that they didn't add during the entire film until the very end was the was the the, the actual poster. The huh. that you know that idea in the movie, which yeah. is such an iconic yep. scene from the trailer. It was one of the last things they shot. They said, "Oh shit, it's on the poster. We should put it in the movie." How do we do that? Uh, uh, oh, I know what we're gonna do. And they changed it around and had that scene put in. And it's funny because that scene actually—I mean, it's she, she gets there, but the, the idea of having her just hold up her eyes to be the poster seems like such a no-brainer. But it literally was something they had to kind of remember to put in. And it's 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 really um, ingenious some of the stuff that they would do in the in the actual film and about like the the effects and stuff and how they were shot and how people came together. Now your your Stuart Gordon. Um, was actually, I mean, again, I mean, Stuart Gordon made a, a great number of movies, but when you look at the, in the cast, um, uh, the, 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 uh, Rosemary, who is played by Carolyn Purdy Gordon and, uh, um, David, this is just the dad, that's Ian Patrick Williams. They both were good friends of Stuart Gordon and they were part of a troupe out in LA that he was part of. And he said, hey, I know people who can do this. And they knew Charles Band. And Charles Band said, hey, if, they, if they're good, let's bring them in. It literally, as they're talking about this, this just sounds like like, like this could not happen today. Like it wow. would be agents. This it's literally just like, hey, I'm making a movie. You want to do this? Sure. So, you know, kind of thing. And the funny part is he thought of Carol, uh, of Caroline Purdy, uh, you know, to play the role because, as she said, she is literally a bitch in every movie she's in. <laughs> now, some might remember her from uh, she was uh, and, and she later was married to Stuart Gordon, obviously um, the, the, the Gordon part of that. But she, at the time, she wasn't. Um, she was actually in 1992's Fortress, but she was in Reanimator, right? And that's how she got that role because she, she was friends and obviously later she was dating and married Stuart Gordon, right? It's just so funny when you kind of look at the th way things kind of go together. Now. Some might remember her. You know, she plays Dr. Ha uh, Howard in, in Reanimator, but she's also in From Beyond, where she plays Dr. Block. Uh, oh, and it's just right. kind, of, it's kind of crazy, right? Like the, those little things that you don't think about, but they all kind of tie together. Now, in all fairness, uh, you know, Ian Patrick Williams, he's in Reanimator. He plays the Swiss professor in the movie. Right, kind of thing. So, uh, yep. Stuart Gordon, like putting his friends in movies way before Ben Affleck and Matt Damon did. Well, you know, kind of thing. So, and the nice part is, unlike you know when they put their friends in movies, it's not all wink, wink at the camera. These are people who were like, "Hey, it's a job. Let's really do the best we can do." So, I don't want to give yeah. away all the stuff, but I to say that because that is really. I, oh. I watched the documentary Stuart Gordon, and for those of you, I, you say, if you ever get a chance to watch anything Stuart Gordon is talking about. He comes across as like the nicest grandpa in the world. Like he's just like, oh, you know, we're just doing this, and he's all like smiles and happy. And you're like, this man made Reanimator. That's from always how it is. It's, <laughs> it's either be a serial killer or a horror movie director. You know. But <laughs> he comes across as being like, you be like, oh, how's it going, kid? With his little beard and his bald head. You know, you're like, oh, he's such a cutie. And then he's like, okay, well, what did you? Oh, I made Reanimator. Yeah, remember the scene where the where he's eating her yeah. out, you know, and it's like it's awesome, right? You know, it's like Argento, right? You know, well, because it's like, well, I was I was gonna say it's like it's like uh, what's like Lucio Fulci, you I know, uh, Fulci as the Argento, it's one of her earliest. 
No, well, football, I was um, trying to remember if it was uh, Asia Argento or who it was. It was saying that one of her earliest memories was being bounced on Lucio Olchi's knee, like on a set, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's but, always um, said Lucio Olchi's always thought of him as like kind of this you know nice guy and then and when she got older and saw his movie she goes he made these like that was her whole thing was that <laughs> she always thought he's like oh he's such a nice guy <laughs> and of course brian uh yunza yunza why you that's a lot of letters that don't go together um is of course uh you know one of the producers on this i mean it's it's he him when you put him and Stuart gordon together you knew you were getting something that was not going to be for everyday audiences you know, kind of thing. They they definitely pushed the horror thing. Um, yeah. For Gordon, well, known for that, Nunes have really pushed it to the to the end. It the was break. a it was a nice break for me because we've had a whole string of just uh uh basically the cast has been just like people that you hate that you're waiting to get killed. This yeah. one mixes it up, and they're not all teens. You got a couple teens, but they're interesting teens. They're they're British punk rock te- teen girls. And and I um, like the cast is just I don't want to it, it's not a slight at them when they're all sort of when a lot of them are sort of dollar store versions of something else, but in a great way, like the, the stepmom is basically do, dollar store Cruella DeVille, except yes. she's more like Cruella Dalville. Oh, and um, Ralph is ba- she actually said. So Caroline Purdy actually said that she goes the character was because they because they were open to however they want to do it so she kind of made it Cruella Deville. She actually yeah, said yeah, yeah. I mean the way her the, the her head her her head scarf the way she wore her head scarf and everything was very and this is this could, what couldn't have been um, meant because it would have been a time time distortion but maybe in like in Mandela effect world or something. Ralph Ralph reminded me of Samwise <laughs> basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then and then and then the old couple was like dollar store grandma Adams and then the old man was almost like this perfect amalgamation of Peter Cushing and and Christopher Lee yeah sort of together yeah. and and it was it was perfect he had the angular like scary Peter Cushing but this the soft grandfatherliness of christopher lee which made his i i'm 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 putting this in the sub horrors genre of wholesome horror yeah Yeah. where where the pure at heart characters are being are basically having their honor defended against all the assholes so it isn't just a bunch of assholes getting punished it's assholes getting punished for the sake of the people that they were assholes to, <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> Bunty Bailey, the one who plays Isabella, one of the punks, the one who gets dragged around the corner and stuff. She actually was in the Aha video. That's where they found her, huh. and she had lots of stories when they brought yeah. her in again. That's because she basically was like that, and that basically she was, um, from what they said, she had um, many quote-unquote really interesting stories about people in the music industry because that's what she was in. Um, and then uh, Cassie Stewart, who is uh, who play who, who's uh, plays Enid, right? Uh, you know the thing with her is that like Enid. she's I mean, she, Enid, sorry. Uh, she's yeah. you know she's been an actress for years, um, but again she was a super young actress at the time, uh, you know kind of thing. But she wasn't like they didn't go get well. No, I mean she had been in 
a few things before that, some TV stuff and whatever. Um, but it's it's kind of funny when they when they talk about like, getting them because they said on the set because they were because again remember you have some some much older people you have a little kid who's not a not an actual she wasn't an actress she wasn't a big name actress they actually interviewed all the big name actresses at the time and they didn't like them that's why they got her and they kind of were like you know up like they were like fully charged so to speak you know what I'm saying like they kind of were full energy and bouncing all the place but they were because they were into that music scene and that punk scene and that, like that like kind of was not what Stuart Gordon and Charles Band and all of them they were making movies you know kind of thing like they said it was it was an interesting mix on the yeah. uh, not a, not a bad mix but very interesting so sorry Luke I didn't mean to cut you up there yeah well, the music connection with band, no, no, that's fine. The music connection with band is not surprising because band always wanted to cross over with music. We saw this yeah. a lot later with Full Moon where he would get, uh, if you take a look at like um, uh, Netherworld or Bad Channels where there was a strong connection with music and he tried to start his own label. So that kind of stuff. Band's always been, struck me as kind of being fascinated a little bit with the music world. But, you know, talking about Mr. Gabriel, you know, that's, uh, it's Guy Rolf. Who most again? You talk about oh, Charles Band movie with small, small monsters in it and guy and uh, Guy Rolf. Oh, it's Puppet Master three, right? Puppet Master four. It's on, um, you know, uh, a decade after this, uh, to play Toulon in not quite a decade after this in Puppet Master three, which is you know the best, best loved Puppet Master movie, most well known. Again, playing a similar role as the guy making. And putting, uh, you know, do uh, small living uh, playthings. Uh, but then even from a technical standpoint, I said this, uh, Jay, when we did Puppet Master on Bots, Bugs, and Babes, and then we talked about Stuart Gordon here when we talked on about Reanimator, is that just from a technical standpoint, the way that this is shot would become almost the de facto kind of standard way that a lot of the Empire and later Full Moon movies were shot, the way that scenes are blocked out the way the music is used uh the use of angle um in particular on anything using something uh, anything that's really small having you know a light that's really not the other type of dolly that's real low to the ground and then moving very quickly to denote something very small, like a big shot this i mean um this, this is replicated in the first scene of puppet master with with uh, blade running through the bodega Bay hotel even the use of a set having a, a relatively low amount of settings by having the entire cast be in one place an economical choice that's been used for years but became a hallmark of empire and full moon you know here everybody's in the house except in the house or on the front lawn there's no cutting back to the un or anything like that you know it's <laughs> economical yeah, yeah. It, it uses the old well but it but it uses the old dark house motif really well because this house is wonderful like you say because it was built it was built to purpose so this is a spooky creepy house but it also has a little bit of whimsy to it has a little bit of fairy tale to it so like you say uh chris you'd said it's it's wholesome type of horror i mean yeah, there there are some gruesome aspects to this, but overall, this is a you know very much like I said, a, it reminds me a lot of like a 1940s old dark house horror comedy more than mm -hmm. anything else. Evil's punished and good is rewarded in the end of it. Like right. basically, yeah. it's almost like it, I mean, this could totally. I mean, it's totally set up to be a. You could just do a series for it because. It's the, the, the two old couple, the, the, the old couple are basically there to judge whoever comes to the whoever shows up to their door gets judged by the dolls and either 
walks away or or ends up on the shelf as the as the new Mr. Punch. Stuart Gordon had actually at one point been very interested in directing a sequel to this because he actually loved making That's this right. movie. It's so for a movie that had literally no script, had nothing but a but a but a picture to go on, and they kind of put it all together, and the ideas changed everything. He had actually worked on uh, the storyline was supposed to be Judy and Ralph. Um, go back to Boston where Ralph, of course, marries Judy's mother and they're all becoming a happy family until one day Judy receives a box from England that contains the toy makers, Gabriel and Hillary, as dolls. And Ooh. that was the idea that he was going with. And what, one of the things that was noted uh, in this is that uh, there, there's not a ton. I mean, there's some blood and there's some violence in there. But this is not reanimator. This is not from beyond. This is not those type of you know, blood and guts kind of, you know, those, those kind of insane movies that those would become with the, you know, the idea like uh, in, in from beyond the resonator and like the stuff going through and all the sexual tension, all, none of that is here. And I think it was purposely done because they wanted to make this stand out as being different in that it wasn't just going to be every movie's going to be reanimated over and over again because that gets stale really quickly. I mean, we saw that in the 80s when you got the knockoff slashers of the knockoffs, you know, kind of thing. Like after the, you know, you had the, the knockoff slasher, and we were like, okay, that wasn't too bad. And then the knockoffs of the knockoffs happened. You're like, okay, the, it's like a copy yeah. of a copy. Like, yeah, no, this, this is a copy yeah. of a copy. This, this, not, this right. is an R rated fairy tale. Yeah. Basically, yes. right. You know, it's uh, exactly. I mean, it's told from a child's point of view and all, all, all the characters who left standing are the ones that have their their childness intact. Sort of a very yeah. Steven Spielberg theme mm. mixed with Stuart Gordon blood. But it, it's <laughs> yep. it's it's very wholesome. And it's it's very like from a child's point of view, it's like. The child's point of view, wholesome version of like tourist trap or something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it wouldn't be yep. a, a, a far it's stretch. It's not to, nihilist. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's not a far stretch to take the the curse words out and uh, the blood, and it, it could easily be a like a, an R.L. Stein story or an episode yeah. of uh, yeah. Are You Afraid of the Dark it, or something like that. And right. like, two, I mean, two, the, three, two yeah. or three movies in, the old couple could be like total protagonists you know they could lose their uh, any kind of like scariness or and be totally like you know the protagonists that you follow you know because they're likable even though they're they're making they're obviously putting some kind of demon creature inside there with a (laughs) with a with a skeleton well but and the thing is is that the i mean but even the scariest like the scariest creepiest scene in this movie is it isn't a violent or gory scene. And to me, that's when they're in the attic and, um, you know, J- J- Judy and Ralph are in the attic and they're looking around and there's Isabel and they don't see her and they don't yeah. hear her, but we see and hear her. And what's great is if what, watch that scene again and watch it very carefully, because at first it, it's almost like a cheat, like there's a disguised wife, but there's not because she's there the whole time to the point that I don't, I can't, I want to say this is intentional, that there's a glint off of her earring before the full reveal. So that if you're, you know, your your eyes are drawn to the foreground, we're looking at, at Ralph and Judy. We don't, but if, we, if we're looking at the whole scene, we can see her there with the glint off of her earring. And we immediately yeah. know because we not only saw, but from a sound design standpoint, we heard Isabel go out clanging through the house with all of her jewelry on while she's sneaking mm. around, right? 
So you know that she's covered in 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 jewelry, and you can see it. And then the reveal, and she can't. Uh, she can't get any noise and she can't move and you know that it's that that moment that we talk about a lot in horror where the audience has a greater depth of knowledge than the characters you know yeah, it's, that's the, it, the, yeah, the, yeah, the classic effect of don't go in there you know but here it's like oh she's right there what don't you know it's, it's, <laughs> it's very it's very Alfred Hitchcock it's very like it, it has a little it's like a magician's trick of of distract of distraction at the beginning where you're paying attention to the two characters and you you know like so the second time you can still pick her up but like it's the the shot is just so perfectly set up and filmed and and timed that like it's 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 just like reality it's just like reality those two except you have that extra step and i love how they do it where they have her in the background and they have the light just set so when she just lifts her, her hands are bound down to the chair, but she can lift her hands up in the air. So her palms are sort of out. So she, that's like the only thing she can do. And as soon as the camera starts turning and, and like you said, it's not the camera angle changing that, that reveals her. It's her moving her hands. And then you realize it was all there. It was just masterfully composed in a very like just sort of standard standardly not standardly shot there's definitely a uh Stuart gordon's got a sense of style and but um you know and just this this small budget horror movie that that scene is just a masterful piece of filmmaking and yeah and it just it just rises like rises the adrenaline on you because it's and they and they turn at just the angle that they're not going to see her and and walk away. It's great. So the other thing mm-hmm. too is, and you kind of mentioned this that they have like little de- like little whatever's inside there. So the idea was, are is it witchcraft? Is it voodoo? Is it like they never quite tell you any of that up front because that's because they didn't know when they were making the film what they exactly wanted to do. And they were like, well, how are they making these things? Are they their souls going in? So they had the idea, and this is the crazy one, and all the different effects guys are talking, they go, well, they're going to crack open the dolls, but there's nothing inside. Someone said, what if there's a skull inside? They're like, what do you mean a skull? What if there's like a... And so they went and built a few of them. So you had some of these beautiful, beautiful made dolls that were, and they would have, they had some broken ones, and they would have like, oh, she, when she's smashing all the dolls, and you start seeing that, those decayed skulls on the inside... Then it became the idea, oh, yeah, okay, so the person's in each one of them, and it's yeah. just... It's like it was like, like how do you represent this? And they didn't want to do it over the top, because if you notice, again, there is some blood in this movie, and there's definitely, I mean, you know, what do you call it? Get shot and you know, she blood everywhere, but it's not yeah. overtly grotesque. Uh, you know, does the 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 bloodletting is not, you know, like oh my god, you know, it's certainly not like, you know, it's it's not like it's not reanimator. No, no. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But I think what the, so what so what happens is you had people who were trying to craft it now. When when they they the they rigidly excuse me they had said to them there's not enough blood in this movie to amp it up so they actually filmed some scenes um, with additional blood Rosemary's death in fact had a lot more blood to it and stuff like that and then when they put it they like they looked at it and go this doesn't make any sense cut this out and they wound up recutting it cut it back out they actually cut gore out of their own movie because it just didn't fit well with the story they were telling but one of the yeah. things that they did say was they needed was it David Allen right. Is that the guy who did all the stop motion? Yes. And, uh, yeah, yes, David, David Allen. Allen. Yes. They, 
they said they needed some stop motion because they needed as great as the dolls look because they had a lot of animatronic dolls and they had marionettes and stuff you can see on the blu-ray some of the wires because it's just you know blu-ray is just too crisp sometimes the stop motion took so long to do but the stop motion really sells that the dolls are alive right it has its own look to it too it's got a like unique way of filming where they put almost like a little bit of soft focus on it yeah and it takes on a slightly surreal yeah like almost like they're ghosts or something it's very neat and the other thing uh, from a technical standpoint that i really like about alan's stop motion here is that now alan did a lot david allen did a lot of great stop motion effects going forward a lot of in low budget films in fact another movie we're going to be talking about that another uh, uh another movie that we may or may have already been or may be discussed in the future uh on this uh, on this very podcast ha- also has a little bit of special effects by david allen but uh is that it's there's not a lot of scenes of just one character being animated by the time we get to like again talk, getting back to the puppet master series like puppet master three and four Usually when we get an Allen sequence, uh, a stop motion sequence from David Allen in his studio, there would be just one character. I'm thinking, you know, the, the, the famous scene from Puppet Master 3 is, uh, you know, six shooter climbing the wall or, you know, at the very end of the credits with six shooters tr- twisting his uh, twirling his guns. Uh, there's a bit in Puppet Master 4 with six shooter actually using a bit of cord as a lasso, but it's only one figure being animated. Here, there's usually two or three or four figures all being animated in the same scene. So think about the complexity of animating a single stop motion character, and now you're animating four of them. And they all are moving and they and they're not just moving, you know, independently. They're they're talking to each other. They're looking at each other. You know, at, at one part when Judy and Ralph are in the, the room with all the dolls in the storage room, they're they're having like their own little council with each other. And it, like you said, it looks it, it has that um, the the stop motion gives the illusion of life, but it also does have a little bit of surrealism to it, which is why it works so well for uh, mm-hmm. I've always thought for mythological creatures. But here in the realm of a supernatural, an artificial thing that is being brought to life, it does give, like you say, Chris, that kind of otherworldly sort of uh, ghost like. Uh, realism to it and it really is eye-catching and it really is i mean all the effects in this generally are are quite good jay you mentioned the attack on rosemary what i love about that is that there is multiple different techniques all used in that same Mm -hmm. sequence from one shot to the next we have you know marionettes we have obviously just props we have rod driven puppets we have stop motion we have all of it and it's cut together so fast that you're you you almost can't take in how i mean when you're watching it the first time you're just like oh jesus they're just going to town on this chick right and then it's only on repeat viewings you start seeing all the little shots that go in to make this one big shot this one big scene i should say and this is why the movie was, which was finished before Reanimator, uh, sorry, before From Beyond. From uh, Beyond. Didn't come, yeah. out, didn't come out until after because they had to do with the shots. In fact, in that scene alone, you know, not only did that, but they actually, when they were trying to saw her ankle, that's a real saw blade that was supposed Ooh. to be dulled out. <laughs> not dulled. It actually cut her leg and she said, what the hell? That actually hurts. And they're like, yeah. oh, sorry. Yep, that's it. That's real sawing right there on a leg. So yeah. um, yeah. it's hard to do. 
it's gonna be that's that's your wife that's that's the produce that's the director's wife you're sawing right there, buddy. So, well, you know, um, I mean, but it, but it was it was filmed in Italy, you know, so that's okay. <laughs> I mean, we all we all remember we all remember opera, right? Where Dario Nicolotti was convinced that Dario Argento was actually trying to kill her on set to make it look like a filming accident. So you know, <laughs> the uh, you know you, you're talking about the the saw and the attack on on Rosemary. Um, bit I loved in there that again would be familiar to Puppet Master fans for getting hit in the head with a hammer. One yes. of one of Pinhead's go-to moves was the big hammer. And then you mentioned um, uh, some. Um, um, it's Enid getting shot. The yeah. um, so the toy soldiers. There's a couple of things in that scene that again jump out to being homaged, more likely ripped off, just kind of borrowed, let's say, later on in, in this same similar genre. So I mentioned the character Six Shooter from Puppet Master. Six Shooter, of course, a six-armed cowboy that is armed with six tiny pistols. So the effect of the little tiny squibs is exactly what it looks like when Six Shooter shoots down, say, Walter Gotell in Puppet Master 3. So again, it's it worked this one time. Let's do it again. The yeah, use you don't of have toys... to figure it out. Pay to figure it out again, you know. Absolutely. And then the use of toy soldiers. If we go to Jay, you said the knockoff of the knockoff. If we go to demonic toys, there is there the the. To the toy soldier is a, a major character in that who actually is a heroic character that, that comes back and plays a role in that too. The other big connection to demonic toys is right at the very beginning of this film. Um, when um, uh, David and Rosemary and uh, Judy are driving and the storm pops up and they all decide the car gets stuck in the mud and they decide to go take shelter in the spooky old house. And Rosemary very cruelly takes Teddy and throws him away because she'll travel faster solo. It's like, oh, fuck you. I'll just fuck yeah. you, you know, at that point. But, of course, Teddy has other things on his mind. Yeah. <laughs> that scene is so, so well filmed. Because yeah, I was like, yeah. no wonder they did all these movies about little characters because they're easier filmed, the giant characters. But then I forgot it. Teddy at the beginning was just a very nicely done, simple effect that looks fucking great and yeah. creepy. It's like a real te giant teddy bear. It's very nice. And yeah. It literally airs out of the skin. Like, and it's like a, it's horrific. Like yeah. something from prophecy, the, the 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 one about the bear mutant, the mutant, mutant bear, bear thing. Yeah. You're like, thing you're looking at, you're like, man. When that came on, when I first saw this movie, I watched it. I go, okay. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> I just, I just, where are we going with this, Stuart? You know, kind of thing. Because I'm not ever. Anytime I hear the name Stuart Gordon, I'm not thinking like, okay, I'm gonna. I know I'm gonna. I know I'm gonna get something here that I might not always expect. You know, kind of thing, because he does like to push envelope, especially with with uh, Yunza uh, as your producer. But I, when I first saw this movie the first time, I was like, okay, uh, this. I thought it was about dolls. I guess the, I guess everything's going alive. <laughs> and then you're like, oh no, that was nothing. Like that that actually yeah. didn't even happen. That's just her daydreaming. You know, like, oh, is it going to be one of those things where she daydreams the whole? Like, like so you're trying to start figuring this out. But once you see, once you see the movie the first time, the second viewing. The, the, the Teddy scene is outstanding, even more because you're like, oh, here it comes, just watch, yeah. you know. Like, like, um, yeah. I'm just saying, one of the effects guys, he was his entire job was just they said, well, you do the whole Teddy thing. It was all him. 
Like they didn't, they didn't tell they go, look, this guy's got to be a giant teddy bear and have her tear out. Okay. So he went through and designed the whole thing and, was, and I, he might've been in the suit and it just done completely differently. That's a, that's a suitmation, you know, kind of thing. He's the, right. of like the hand, whatever. And then to think that later on, you can't get in a suit and be any of the dolls. You know what I'm saying? Like these, the, the, nowadays they'd all be done with CGI and it was suck. The problem right. is, but back then they didn't have CGI. So like, how do we do this? Oh, we need a giant thing. Get in the suit. We need a small things. So let's make marionettes. Like it literally was, how do you fix these problems? Because we don't have a way to do this any other way. Oh, you found a ways to do it. And they, and then, but they work so well that they, of course they appeared again in all the puppet master movies and then demonic right. movies ripped off. Well, that, you know? well, that's what I was. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say to the point that they're one of the demonic toys is, grizzly teddy and he starts out as a normal sized teddy bear who has a grizzly bear's mouth but then in the if you've if you've seen demonic toys in the last reel he is a, a, a man-sized bear that is now tearing through the toy store trying to get to our main characters in fact if you've if you've ever seen an, an episode of full moon video zone from back in the day, the scene of oh Teddy God. tearing through the door is in the video zone. So, but yeah, again, it's like, but you're right. It, it's too good not to do it again because it's such a, you know, it's, it's such, we, we talked about this way back when we talked about new nightmare and Rex, you know, and the yeah. idea of our stuffed animal being our protector and a teddy bear, a bear is a fierce creature and we want Teddy on our side. Well, this Teddy ain't fucking around, no. you know? Yeah. And I and I love Judy's Judy's reaction of she's scared that this she doesn't she doesn't care that Rosemary's getting killed she never is concerned that Rosemary is getting killed which I love <laughs> she's scared for her daddy she's scared for daddy but then she's not really that upset that daddy's dead either well, at the end of that <laughs> well she's just sort of like ah, what can I do Teddy, <laughs> and, uh, daddy. daddy. The line I had, just in case, I mean, I, I figured I wasn't going to have one, but I did write it down. What do you want from me? I'm seven years old. <laughs> there, were a lot of, there were a lot of lines like that, like not really inside jokes, but just sort of like a writer talking through the, but it worked. Like, yeah. Uh, and, the, and the script writers, Ed Naha, who's like low key, really good. Like he write, I like his nonfiction. I like, I grew up knowing about Ed Naha by reading his books about movies and stuff like that. So he knows his genres, and so, like the dialogue in this is just sometimes, sometimes it's kind. Of, it, I mean, that's not really a natural line to come from a little kid, but the dialogue just flows very nicely in this and. It feels like it's written for real characters. This is this is one of the few, like little kids in a horror movie where like I like her. I like her. You know, she's a yeah. little obnoxious like a kid is, but uh, like she's she, a likable. She, she, she does a likable, um, job at the role, and that's yeah. rare. Usually, usually I'm, you know, you you know you know me, hero. I'm rooting yeah. for the kid to bite it. You know, yep, quickly and as early to. on. It, well, from from the jump, it's right from the beginning of the movie when when Rosemary and her dad are being total assholes. I'm like, I can't wait for these fuckers to die, you know? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, yeah, they were buttering themselves up real good to die, you know. And and the, and their their assholeness was nice. And this is another thing about it is they were still they were caricatures, but they were still real character 
characters, you know, they had, they had a few moments as normal people, you know, where they're like getting ready to go to bed and, and, and he's like, ah, yeah, you're right. We should have sent the kid back to Boston. She's like, yeah, we could have been in Monte Carlo by now, you know, (laughs) and you're realizing that a lot of her excessive craziness right now is because she's stewing, but because of not being in Monte Carlo, but she's capable of being a normal person just when you get rid of the kid and have her in a fun situation, you know? So it was, it, you know, it was that the characters had, uh, you know, not the depth of an Oscar bait movie, but enough depth, depth to make them a little more interesting when, before they got killed. Yeah. 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 Real Ed Naha thing real quick. Okay. So, uh, which is funny because I had to let him, I looked him up and I was like, this guy wrote troll. Yes, he wrote Troll. Now, Troll 2, which, oh my god. But, yeah, so, see, not Troll 2. Not Troll 2, not just Naha, Troll 1. No. But, Ed Naha, and this, this, is, this to me is what I call the Bob Clark uh, situation. Because for those of you who remember Bob Clark, Bob Clark, of course, did Black Christmas and did A Christmas Story. Right? You know, and Porky's. Right? Kind of thing. And Porky's. So, yeah. yeah and... Right, right, right. Yeah. So... Ed Naha is the writer, obviously, here for Dolls, and he did Troll, like I said. He is also the guy who did the screenplay and the story for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Okay. Um, <laughs> he did that year with Chud to Bud the Chud, because nothing, which which he wrote under the assumed name M. Kane Jeevis. Uh, but then, you know, and then he said, hey, you know what, I let me, let me just go uncredited for Doll Man, but don't worry, I'll get credit on Doll Man versus Demonic Toys, right? So I'm just saying is, one of these movies is not like the other, right? Yeah. <laughs> there, you know, he, he likes writing stuff about short stuff, you know, I mean. <laughs> but he also gets because, credit, uh, it blew up the kid as well. Yeah. And shrunk, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, the TV series. Well. Yeah, uh, but does, he's but the does exact he, does he opposite. Just get he's, try, he's trying to get the. Yes. He's trying yeah. to corner the market like Bert I. Gordon. Yeah. Cornered the market on giant people. Yeah. Right. Well, like, yeah. So Honey, ourselves. He gets character. He gets character credit. Um, he gets character credit. Uh, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV series, which ran for 66 episodes. Holy crap, really? Yeah, um, but that, that was a syndicated show. So that 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 yeah. means it probably was one, like one it was a, probably a pilot and then one season. So. But he also gets, he is character credit, but he gets story, uh, screenplay and story credit on Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, because to be honest with you, like, I mean, you know, this guy's, you know, got a career. He's working and he's still working now, you know, kind of thing. Um, he didn't die. No, he didn't die. Uh, kind of thing. Uh, you know, but I was I just had a look. Uh, I was just saying is, but it's just funny because when when you think of a guy like again, not to try to derail this, but when you think of Bob Clark, you're like, well, okay, you know, Black Christmas, uh, um, Death Dream, right? You know, like okay, that's that's horror, right? And he's like, and Porky's. You're like, oh, okay, Porky's, you know, and A Christmas Story. Literally, the movie that's on 24 hours a day, you know, during Christmas. You're like, oh, okay, just okay, I get it. You know, kind of thing, but it just was. Look, if 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 Bob Clark hadn't done Black Christmas, it would not be nearly as funny that he did a Christmas story. But because he did Black Christmas and a Christmas story, it's always funny 100% of the time. I I just got to say, all I know about Bob Clark is my friend Mike used to tell me all the time, the greatest movie I ever saw on late night TV was Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. And then... 
and then Porky's was like by the director of Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things. But he starts out he starts out with Porky's, which sort of you know the critics hated it, but that movie made a t- like swept the nation was a craze of soundly denounced by all the critics as trash and vile filth, and every you know high school kid was going to see it every weekend, and then he follows it up by sweeping the nation with a Christmas story, a wholesome, fun yeah. Christmas yeah. tale. Yeah. That is, that, anything else he did is just gravy. That's just like yeah. this beautiful two-piece, one-two punch to Hollywood. Fuck you. I'm just this, <laughs> like, small-time director, and I, you know, sucked in this huge amount of money on these two movies that are, the polar opposite of everything like and and received in the completely opposite way that's just like mwah, perfect perfect career yep uh, real quick i just want to throw this out there i know uh we mentioned talk about so you think about the effects done in this movie and what it costs the movie itself costs about two million dollars in budget wow. and it wound up making about 3.5 million in sales Right. But to be honest, I don't remember dolls ever being in like a movie. Like, I mean, I'm, it might have come to the movie theater, but I don't remember it ever being a movie theater. I remember it on on video shelves yeah. forever. Like, I don't remember it ever being like yep. you know coming coming this Friday dolls. You know, I don't remember that happening. Yeah. You know, I think so. I think if I'm you lived saying, in like New York City or something like that, you know. Well, <laughs> date it actually was at the seattle film festival in april then it premiered in la in may and then it premiered in new york city in november like it's not they're not even close to each other so yeah so they had no money to ship it to do a wide release and it probably (laughs) only played in big big cities no no they had one copy that we showed in la we gotta get back to new york all right well it's not just back you know it's like like (laughs) then it was like cannonball run you know Yeah. Oh man. So, um, but yeah, I just, it, I just thought that was really funny. When you look at a movie, you're like, okay, you know, how much money? Because it's not like you, know, you say, oh, wow, look at all these big name actors they had to go pay for. Like the money's on the screen, and for a movie that was that only cost two million dollars, it looks way better than it should. It has no business having as good as special effects on all levels, from yeah. miniatures to marionettes to puppets to draw to rod driven to to stop motion. It's all there on the screen. The one you can say about Charles Band, like his movies, don't like his movies, think, you know, whatever it might be, you know, like, whatever, is he's definitely going to try to put the best thing he can on the screen. And some of you might say, Jay, what about Ginger Dead Man? Look, I didn't think how to like the movie, but when you, but he tries to put something entertaining on the screen. He, you don't, I can honestly say this, as bad as the Demonic Toys movies might be and some of the other things, you're not sitting there going, wow, that was boring. You're like, okay, that, that was crap, but, I mean, it wasn't boring. And when he has a good director and a good script, that's when you start getting things like, well, that was really good. Like, kind of thing. Like, it, it's not it's not that it's shocking, but it's like, well, that hit on more than one note. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking of, Luke, what's the one? Is it retro? No. What's the Puppet Master where they're uh, they're all made of wood and, and like... That's, re- that's like, retro Puppet Master. God, is that bad. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> retro Retro Puppet Master, probably best known as um, Mark from the Room. That was the movie he was in before the Room. Was Retro Puppet Master? Yes. Okay. But even Retro Puppet Master, as bad as that is, the puppets in the movie are pretty good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like 
you know, kind of thing. Like the acting is horrible, like horrible, right? The it, it's it's but the 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 puppets, the the actual puppets, they're pretty good. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's not the originals, it's not the right ones, but it's pretty good. You're like, okay, so I'm because I watched it Rift on Rift Tracks, and I'm like, man, this movie's really riffable. But it's not the, they're not making fun of the puppets; they're making fun of the friggin' dumbasses around it. You know, and I'm right. like, well, yeah. But that if it doesn't that just describe exactly what it is? Even like, uh, what's yeah, the, I mean that that's the, that was that was the goal of which one? Shrieker is that the one with the. Uh, yeah, we, we Shriekers is a, a thing that it, 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 it's got like two faces on its head. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's Shrieker. Yeah. I mean, we rented it and watched it. It wasn't Love. like it was more horrendous, but it was like, you know, yeah. okay, we're not, that's not worth, you know, spending money on kind of thing. We rented it because we had no, like, but, but then, uh, no, but then, but that was the goal of Empire Pictures. Later to become Full Moon, but but the the whole point of Empire was that just because a film was a lower budget film doesn't mean it couldn't look like a bigger budget film, and that was a lot of the uh, philosophy behind a lot of these. That's the reason why a lot of these Empire Pictures movies are so well remembered and well liked and have their fans to this day. Is that yeah, they were cheap, they were a little trashy in places, they were a lot trashy in places, they were exploitative, but they were fun and they looked a hell of a lot better than they had any right to look. You know, in this era of the mid 80s on VHS, there was just a sea of garbage out there, really low budget schlock. And this stuff was low budget and it was schlock, but it looked really good and it was professional, was well assembled and well put together to the point that, you know, when when they could turn around and go to the trade shows and say, oh, you're going to want to buy a lot of copies of this tape, because remember the last tape that we sold you, your that's one of your top rentals. And now this is in the same group of guys that worked on that last one. And we got the same type of, we do the same marketing. We can do the same point of sale stuff. So yeah, it, it's, it's on that. Com- we talk about it a lot. It's the commercial versus the artistic. No film is 100% commercial or 100% artistic. These films were very commercial, but the artistic parts of them is why they are well remembered and well regarded because there was care and craft put into them by talented men and women that worked on them, both in front of and behind the camera. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Now, just as an aside, the first Demonic Toys is actually pretty good. The The sequel's not so much, but the first one's worth watching. I'll just leave it at that. It's it's really, it's kind of crazy and nuts and, and weird, but it's, it's, it's kind of funny also. It also has a guy smoking while filling a, uh, a bucket of chicken, so I'm looking at you, Honeywell, you know. That's Ooh, that's an wow. early role for you, I think. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's, it's. It was nice to go back and revisit this movie. Uh, so, um, for those of you who were looking to see this movie, um, it is. It used to be on Tubi, right? Was it on Tubi TV? Yes, it was. And, I watched it a few years ago on Tubi TV, and it is no longer on there as of this recording. Right. Um, and I think part of that is because uh, Scream Factory, which is Shout Factory's horror line, their specialist in Blu-ray came out, which I have. Um, I have the original MGM was part of those uh it wasn't part of the midnight madness series but it was part of those that line of movies that mgm put out that literally all look beautiful on my shelf in a row because they all have the same spines um uh and they put that out that's still available again it's technically out of print but there's lots of copies of it because it was made in a time when dvds those dvds were like maybe eight nine bucks 
the Blu-ray is outstanding. I definitely think that uh, the, I, if I, if you have, if you don't own it and you and you want to get the the Blu-ray, it's well worth it. The transfer is beautiful, um, and it definitely has a good amount of features on it. I mean, a lot of the stuff I was, you know, was telling you guys, I was because I was watching interviews with them, and it's interesting, and it's it shows it's really in depth, and it shows again, and that's one of the things I know some people don't always love Scream Factory uh, collector's editions; they feel they don't have enough on them. When I start looking at what's on these things, like and, and they really whoever's whoever's curating their horror section, there's the scream, the you know the scream factory part of it, um, definitely it's got to be. I mean, again, I can't say for sure, but I would feel this person had to have been alive in the '80s and seeing these things because they love their '80s movies, uh, kind of thing. And the, the you know the horror and stuff, they're from beyond. They're stuff like they, they have all these different movies and stuff that are from the '80s that were truly staples of that you know if you were a horror fiend in the 80s that's the stuff you loved and dolls falls in there and again the nice part about dolls excuse me is that the the iconic uh artwork is you know is, is still the, that poster is still so iconic now they have a different slipcase cover they did have professional artwork done for it whatever but like usual it's reversible and i reversed mine of course because i want the dolls even though the slipcase is going on top i want the dolls poster there uh, it's well worth the time to get it. Um, you can, again, it, they sometimes get a little pricey. They get up into the $25, $26. But if you are, you know, willing to wait out things or maybe go on eBay or something like that, I'm not saying you have to go to Amazon or anything, but if you take your time and look, you probably can find these things relatively cheap. Um, and if it's, it's been on Tubi, like Luke said, but it's not saying it won't come back to Tubi, you know, kind of thing. So there are movies yeah. that go on and off there. Shout Factory is the same thing. Now, Shout Factory at like Halloween time will often put up horror movies free on their site. You know, you don't need to be subscribed. You just get them for free right on their site. Um, they do that with Misty a lot. They yeah. do a cycle yeah. these and stuff like that. You know, so it is, it's interesting by way of that. So you, again, there might be availability there. Um, I'm just looking here. Uh, now, the, it, do not be, do not confuse it with the the re. Well, I shouldn't say it's a remake. It's the, also called Doll Stalling, starring D. Wallace. That is not the movie you want, uh, kind of thing. Uh, so, yeah, like I'm looking here. Um, you can get this multi-format here. Like this is, I mean, this is a, a, a like 17 bucks, you know, kind of thing. Like it's it's totally available to be had now. Um, it can get again, like things can get a little pricey if you're not, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, whatever. But it, it's it's available. It's out there. So, um, yeah, like this one's forty two dollars. It's too much. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see much the VHS 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 tape forty three dollars. Yeah, again, good luck with that. Money. Yeah. yeah. And I, it's, I guarantee you it's going to be heavy though. You know, kind of thing. It'll be it'll be it'll be. Uh, if it's an original, it'll be, you know, a nice hunkin', you know, rental. Remember, remember those, how heavy those rental VHSs were? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Uh, just as an aside, um, I'm, I just was doing some, some research here. And so Dolls, I said, is no longer on Tubi. But if you are familiar with the, the, the streaming service Pluto TV, Pluto.tv, mostly known for their live TV streaming channels on their, uh, they recently did a revamp and they now also have an on-demand section. And uh, it looks like Dolls is on Pluto.tv for free. Ah. 
I don't know if it is ad-supported, but um, as I am recording this, I am streaming the opening credits right now. So it does appear to be on Pluto.tv, so you can check it out there as well if you've never seen it. All right. Holy. Okay, so I ordered this thing back in 2016. It was $12.99. It, the special yeah. is 60 bucks. Holy shit! I didn't really do it. <laughs> <laughs> thing is... So, uh, maybe not the special edition. I would go look on I would go on eBay if you're looking for it. But the, as Luke said, watch it first. If you can watch it on Pluto, Pluto's great. For those who are Misty fans, you know your Pluto TV. Pluto, you know, yeah, fans, so. Pluto uh, Misty and Misty Rift Tracks and Impact TV. And now Toku Shoutsu as well, talking about Shout Factory. Yeah. So, so yeah. Right. I mean, again, another another classic horror wreck hanger on. And I'm glad, glad always glad for an ex excuse to, to revisit it dolls this is a uh, a legit classic in, in my mind so i'm always always glad to cross one off my stuart garden list too so yeah, yeah this was uh, i, I this got one's... this and robot jocks all in the last few months uh, <laughs> what robot jocks the one that got away when empire pictures went bankrupt that was the film that uh that that they, they didn't get to release that got released elsewhere that was the, that was going to be one of Empire's magnum opuses, and it didn't get released by Empire. That's why we got Crash and Burn and Robot Wars many uh, years down the road. Was an attempt to finally do a big stop motion robot movie. Neither of which were as good as Robot Jocks. <laughs> Crash and Burn's okay; it's a little talky, you know. But Robot Wars, ugh, not so much. <laughs> yeah, this, one, this one's a blast. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, well worth your time, folks. Check it out. Yeah. Enjoy. Grab the kids. <laughs> Grab Mr. Punch while you're at it. Oh, yeah. Well, this would be a good one if you're if you're one of those horror parents where your kids watch horror movies. This would be a good one to watch with your kids. Yeah. yeah. Haley would enjoy this. Yes. I, just, I watched it the other yep. day when she wasn't home, yeah, but she would enjoy this. Ha -ha. Um, my wife is <laughs> Is my wife has never seen this movie. She saw the cover and said, "And hey, we're never watching that." And I was like, <laughs> yeah. "Oh, you want to watch this?" So the other day, of course, uh, I pre-ordered Dolly Dearest and that came. And I'm like, "Hell, I don't have to watch Dolls." And I go, "How about this?" She goes, "Oh, hell's no." Yeah, Mario, like, no. <laughs> dolls are like clowns to a lot of people, and yeah. clown dolls are even worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maureen, Maureen wouldn't watch this one either for the same reason. No child's <laughs> no. play. No trilogy of terror. Yeah. Oh, that's okay that's okay i bet you she could watch edgar bergen and charlie mccarthy though uh, <laughs> she doesn't in general she's not a big fan of any kind of puppets really she doesn't really like the muppets so it's a bone of contention between us oh this is, the, like this the, is the first uh uh fly in the ointment i've i've heard with with my opinion on maureen too i might have to bring some puppets with me next time we meet and <laughs> Well, it better not be punching Charlie McCarthy or I'll punch you in the face. <laughs> yeah, won't be Charlie McCarthy. <laughs> or Lester or any of no, I don't need I don't need you guys teaming up against me. That's just stupid <laughs> on okay. my part. I'm just oh, saying that, yeah, that's what I was I was thinking when I was watching this going, man, they better not have any Charlie McCarthy dolls in here. You know what I think? just gonna turn it off and, and like recuse himself from the episode. Nope, 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 nope. nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> That, that should be the ultimate Halloween episode is we just watch like three episodes of old Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. The <laughs> ultimate horror podcast for Hero. Oof. Hero's ultimate horror. 
You'd have to Ludovico me for that. But see, that it's only Charlie McCarthy because Magic, I love Magic. That's a uh-huh. fucking amazing movie. I got no problem with like any other puppets. Really, just the Bergen puppets. <laughs> so it's it, really. <laughs> it's, it sounds like Hero is going to an uncomfortable place right now as we're as we're talking about this. Oh, I'm in my undies. I'm I'm very comfortable. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. So I guess the most uncomfortable place for the hair metal hero would be on Edgar Bergen's lap. (laughs) And probably not comfortable for Edgar Bergen either. No, I'm fat. (laughs) And he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) So who wins, sucker? (laughs) This guy's dead. We'll cross him off. Cross him off then. Nice. Got myself a crying, talking, sleeping, walking, living doll. Got to do my best to please her just cause she's a living doll. Got a roving eye and that is why she satisfies my soul. Got the one and only walking, talking, living doll. Look at her hair, it's real and don't believe what I say, just feel Lock her up in a trunk, so no big hunk can steal her away from me Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S you can email Two True Freaks directly at Two True Freaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. What I say just feel Lock her up in a trunk so no big hunk can steal her away from me. Got myself a crying, talking, sleeping, walking, living doll. Got to do my best to please her just cause she's a living doll. Got her roving eye and that is why she satisfies my soul. Got the one and only. Living
If you're going to do jokes like that, Bergen and I will see you right at home. Yes, we will. Yeah. Well, that, that's yeah. what we want. Yeah, relax, guess. Uh, no song cues. Oh. Consider yourself at home. Consider yourself one of the family. No, thank you. We've taken to you so strong. It's clear we're going to get along. Consider yourself well in. Consider yourself part of the furniture. Not me. There isn't a lot to spare. So what? Who cares? Whatever we have, we'll share. If it's a chance to be, we should see some harder days, empty larder days. Why grouse? Always a chance we'll meet somebody to foot the bill. Then the drinks are on the house. Not me, I'm driving. Consider yourself. Our mate, check. We don't want to have no fuss. Right. For after some consideration, we can stake. Consider yourself one of us. Remember, girls, an egg a day keeps the hatchet away. <laughs> Here's the bacon to go with the eggs. Bergen, this isn't a television show. This is a zoo. Yeah!